Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday. We begin in Alabama, and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. The Music of America podcast continues today. We are in Mound House, Nevada. And we'll find out more about Mound House and more find out about Dale Ponet, who is our guest today in the Music of America podcast. But you got to talk about cats, first of all, because I don't like cats. I mean, I've had cats. I don't like them. But now, though, maybe I'd be able to like them again. Kitty's Litter Box is a new innovation to the litter box. Takes away a lot of that which I disliked about cats, which was cleaning the litter box. Kitty's Litter Box is a completely biodegradable litter system that eliminates the hassle of cleaning out the litter box you know that changing the litter that yuck you know <laughs> i just hated it well with kitty's litter box you simply open it after kitty has done their business for a while maybe about a month or so you simply close the box and throw it away that's it throw the box away it's biodegradable you don't have to touch anything just take the whole box toss it none of the extra cleaning kitty's litter box makes ease of cleaning the litter box by eliminating the need to clean it you just throw it away so if you love cats you'll love your cat even more and your cat will love you by using kitty's litter box it's available at kittieslitterbox.com all lowercase no hyphens nothing kittieslitterbox.com it's perfect dale pone is our guest today from mound house nevada i had no idea where it was till i looked it up on a map and then you told me a little bit more about mound house so what's the uh the iconic uh, landmark you were telling me about. The Moonlight Bunny Ranch. And what is that exactly? It's a brothel, and they used to have a television show on HBO called, I forgot what it was, but it was the Moonlight Bunny Ranch. Uh, Dennis Hoff, who's his uh, past, uh, that's his place up there. Mountain House is like a town in between Dayton and Carson, Nevada. And... uh, it hasn't grown because of that, which is fine because I've been here for 30 years and it stayed small. And yeah, like you got to love that. So, Dale, tell us about you because you've been there 30 years, but you've been playing for how long? Like, how long have you been playing, period? And then how long have you been playing professionally? Well, I've been playing professionally for um, probably about 50 years. I hate to say that because I'm really dating myself, but um, I started in the 60s and uh, I'm still pre- performing as we speak. Just feel lucky I never made big money in the music business, but uh, I've definitely worked. I didn't have to get out of the business, you know. And lately, I've, I've been I've been, I've been teaching at a I teach music at a prison in Susanville, California, mm-hmm. and I also teach college classes at a local college here in town. So, teaching music and songwriting and stuff. You teach like you get like into music theory because you know I think one thing I learned is I learned you know I learned how to play music by ear. But once I understood the principles of music, you know, the letter, your scales and all the, the do stuff that have, has something to do with it, uh, that sure made music a lot easier, mm-hmm. made it all compact and, and easier to understand, easier to, because really the big, the big thing about music is being able to communicate with other musicians, the better, the better it works for you. Now you're a singer and songwriter, you're a guitarist, mm-hmm. yeah. you play harp. No, I don't play harp. That's my partner, uh, Doug Sandall. Oh, okay. He plays he plays the harp and guitar and the guitar as well. And we did this. We uh, I got together with him during COVID, and he got me inspired. And we went and we recorded uh, the CD, and we got up in all the formats and stuff like that. And we perform around town and stuff like that. 
And now, you know, like uh, I don't play with them all the time. I, you know, I play with Lacey J. Dalton quite a bit too. And uh, I do solos and stuff like that as well. Did you say you're so, doing you're doing uh, Oklahoma City? You're doing with Johnny Lee? Did you say John Lee or uh, Johnny Lee is going to be the he's the headliner, and then uh, Lacey will be there with Wade along with Wade Hayes. Okay, that's kind of uh, cool. I think I got the name of the casino here. Hold on a second, Sugar Creek Casino. Well, when we can talk about that more in the last segment of the show when we have our shameless self promotion segment. But I, I, I'm, I'm just really impressed that you're playing with some pretty big names. I mean, Lacey J. Dalton, Johnny Lee are pretty big names, you know. Yeah, I've, I've done a, a few gigs with Johnny Lee. Um, you know, I, I, these things were like we were this backup band and be with several artists. Like we played with De David Frizzell and Lacey J. And yeah, and him. played with Paulette Carlson from Highway 101. You know, um, and it's kind of funny because I didn't grow up country at all. I mean, when I auditioned, this is the funny part you're going to like. Uh, when I auditioned for Lacey J, I, I didn't know who she was. I'd never heard of her. Yeah, but I got the job because you know, I could play the, play the parts, and I got her there. I've been, been with her ever since, but I, I didn't know who she was. Well, you're more of a blues I, man anyway, right? I'm a blues guy, you know, rock, and I mean, I mean, and uh, even in the 80s, I did a little heavy metal, it's like that. So Really? Out of, the, out of all the genres that you've played, which one is is more your comfort zone oh gosh i don't know i guess I and mean, blues is easy i could do blues in my sleep yeah. um but i mean i love it and it's usually pretty usually when you're playing in a blues band it's usually pretty low pressure and, and it's like that but I'll, I'll play anything i like the thing i'm really into now is the acoustic sounds but so i play with Lacey quite a bit as this we have a band but we uh, do like i'd say we do if we do 20 dates um 15 of them will be just us the two of us as an acoustic and that's why it gave me gave me the idea to do a thing with doug because I feel like, you know, because I'm aging, that the audience that likes acoustic music w is a lot more forgiving about how old you are as opposed to like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you yeah. know, you can still get a notoriety. You may not be, you know, become a big star, but you can play for people and they'll still appreciate what you do. They don't go, oh, that guy's old, you know, get him out of here, you know? Now, this is uh, audio only this season, but you and I are on video and you can see over my shoulder, I've got three of my acoustics here and I got the other, I've got three more in the other room and on all my electrics downstairs where I'm building my studio. So I, I find right. myself that same boat, man. I play, I enjoy part of it is because I can play at home by myself and mm. not worry about needing a drummer, get in place a bass player and, or being too loud, you know? Yeah. That's the thing I don't like is I'm, I'm, I don't really feel like playing bands where people are blasting because they can't hear. Uh, whereas you play acoustic, you know, you can play at a level that's real comfortable. You know, like I just like five dates with Lacey and I, I just play, I just bring along my mandolin and my guitar and I have a, a nylon string guitar as I bring a, as, as well. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And what kind of mandolin you play? I got a, a Gibson, a, a, the 60, you know, the, the F, F series and stuff like that. And I have a, I play a J45 on stage and I also have a hummingbird and an L double O and, those are my main performing guitars, you know, and I play dobro as well. Oh, dear. And, um, yeah. One of our sponsors here is a good friend of mine who built me a guitar. Uh, Joe Mendel's his name, and he builds octave mandolins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you, you might want to check out his gear sometime just to see what his tone is. In uh, fact, another sponsor, got to go down a rabbit hole real briefly, I talked to you about the guy that does my intro and outro, uh, Bill Landry. He yeah. makes an amp called the Landry Amp. Well, there's a band here at played at one of the casinos in St. Louis. It's a Kansas tribute band. And he plays through a Landry Amp. Well, the lead guitar player for Kansas 
happened to be in town. He wanted to hear them because Kansas is kicking off their 50 year anniversary. And he heard wow. that amp. He says, I want to play with that amp now. Isn't that cool? Yeah. You know, having a decent amp is, is, is a uh, real good. I, I, like I said, I don't play electric guitar and bands too much because the, just the work isn't there, but mm -hmm. I, I have a matchless spitfire that I, I just love. That's a, it's a creamy amplifier. And, you know, so I, I use that yeah. on my gigs and, and, and my favorite, I have, I have quite a few of them, but I, my favorite is an old 59 uh, Les Paul with the double cutaways, the TV yellow, you know, so. Oh, wow. Just a smooth guitar. It's just, it just seems to fit in every situation, you know, so I, I'm pretty happy about that, so. It's cool when you find something vintage that works, you know what I mean? That, I mean, for you, like, it works for everything, you know? Yep. That's really awesome. Now, you're, I want to talk about your songwriting, too, because you've written, I guess, for 50 years, right? So when you write yeah. for that long, uh, yeah, I, I'm learning as I, I delve into writing. The more I write, the more I realize how much I suck at it. It just comes in waves, you know. Like uh, you know, it's like you can't just sit down like you're doing a job and go, "Okay, I'm going to work from eight to five day and write songs." I mean, you can, but if you really want something inspired, it just it just comes, and you have to kind of like be up to the, you know, sitting down with it and doing it. You know, do you still perform? songs that you wrote 50 years ago like what is the oldest song that you've written that you still perform today start my fire oh really okay 70s um when when my uh, my wife split up with me she came to me and she said you're not making enough money in the music business so i'm i'm moving in with this other guy and oh, wow. uh she goes and you get a bonus and i go what's that she goes you have to keep your daughter so my daughter was like three years old at the time and she just walked out you know yeah, and it's not how I felt at the time, you know. Of course, I don't feel that way anymore. And she has since passed. She was she was a raging alcoholic and drank herself to death. So mm. sorry to hear that, but uh, you gave me a real good segue though to go into the first song we can talk about and yeah. play. Uh, I, I don't have a set order, so since you brought it up, let's talk about "Start My Fire," or we just did. But you want to delve deeper into that and talk a little bit yeah. more about working at Disneyland at the time. And, uh, and I was, you know, I was, I was, my daughter was living with me and it's like that. And, uh, my, my wife had taken off and I wrote the song, you know, it's cause I, you know, I felt, you know, I didn't want her to leave me. I mean, it's like, we got a family here, you know? So it was the best I could do at the time to, to kind of put my feelings out there, you know? So, and then what I did when I re-recorded it acoustically is I, uh, you know, I, I, I made the words a little bit more smooth and, and also I just did it acoustically because it's actually a reggae song, you know, it's supposed to be with a reggae beat, but uh -huh. uh, I just adapted it to playing in an acoustic format. Well, I enjoy your music a lot and we'll talk about the last one about what you and I talked about in a minute, but right now, since we're talking about this, we're going to play it. Uh, this is one of your one of your older compositions, right? Yep. Dale, Dale Pone, our guest today from Mound House, Nevada on the Music of America podcast, the first song of his we're going to hear is a song called Start My Fire. I don't want to play your games no more Heart is broken, it can't break no more. 
I'm where you want me. Why do you treat me this way? You say you love me, but you've gone away. Inside I'm crying. I need to hold you again. I want you near me, baby. Start my fire again. You gotta hold on me, don't throw away the key. She never loved you, why couldn't I see? Blind by the light, you had shining on me. Had your chains on me, then you set me free. Crying, I need to hold you again. I want you near me, baby, to stop my fire again. Fire with Dale Ponet here on the Music of America podcast. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. We'll get back to Dale and talk about one of his blues songs after I talk about happened, something that happened to me years ago. I got into this accident at work where I ended up spending an entire month on my stomach while my back wounds were healing. I had scalded and severely burned my lower back. About two weeks into my healing, I realized, hey, I haven't had a cigarette in two weeks. And that's how I quit smoking. Now, that worked for me, but I don't suggest it for anybody else, okay? Thank goodness we have a company called Laser Therapy South that's located just outside of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Since 2003, Laser Therapy South has helped thousands of people quit smoking, reduce stress, and alleviate chronic and acute pain. 
Laser Therapy South has developed its own unique approach to tackle both the physiological as well as the habitual components of addiction to help you achieve total success. Laser Therapy. It's an acupuncture-based treatment that originated in Europe and Canada over 25 years ago. Your success is measured immediately. Laser therapy is instantaneous. Your treatment date is also your quit date. The laser is a cold or therapeutic kind of laser. It doesn't produce heat. It doesn't cut tissue. In fact, most clients report feeling more like having had a massage after the treatment. It's Laser Therapy South, www.lasertherapysouth.com, where all your questions can be answered. Check them out if you want to quit smoking. Laser Therapy South, where being a quitter is a good thing. Dale Ponet from Mound House, Nevada. How long have you lived there? You said 30 years. Where were you before that? Where were you born and raised? I was in Reno, and I came up from San Francisco. And I from San Francisco, I was living in Seattle, Washington. And then uh, I grew up in Los Angeles. Did you bust out on the music scene, so to speak, when you were in San Francisco more or more in Washington or more in Los Angeles? Uh, you know, it's just been up and down all the way along. Like the first gig that I ever took um, through the union, not the first good gig. I mean, I was playing music, but I got a call from the union and uh, the, the Kingston Trio, their bass player, had broken his hand and they needed a bass player like immediately. So I, I filled in for them for about six weeks before he was able to come back and play. Where was that? I was down in Southern California. They they were playing, playing all over, you know, but uh-huh. they picked me up in China Lake. And what and about so, about what era was this? Was the seventies, eighties? Seventy two. Wow. So they were still prominent. Yeah. They were funny. They were the pretty pretty jaded group though. I mean those guys from the they weren't all that, that you know, when you see them on Ed Sullivan, they're all happy and nice and the clean cut boys. Yeah, they weren't like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the fourth grade. I, I loved all their songs. Like, I don't give a damn about a green back a dollar and all those songs. Yeah. And so I tried to get to play with them, you know. So it was kind of, that was fun. Yeah. We did. Uh, you know, and then it's up and down, you know. Um, I went out and did a short stint with a band called Ball and Jack in the middle 70s. And then I uh, had my own band for um, a while called the Mendocino All-Stars. And then in the 80s, I started a band called Platinum Rose. And we did a, you know, a, a CD and a couple of singles. And you know, and so um, that's where that, that single came from. Uh, it's called Old Video. It was about Pac-Man. <laughs> so, um, and then towards the end of the 80s, uh, uh, my band, they, uh, 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 Buddy, um, oh gosh, I forgot his name. Anyway, I'll get back to that one in a while. But, you know, then I joined the Fortunes and played with them through the end of the 90s into the 2000s and then uh, joined Lacey around 2009. It's like that. So I've been, I've been, because like stuff just falls into my lap you know and i just not it's not it's not always like the hustle that gets it you know sometimes it's just things that just happen to be there you happen to be in the right spot at the right time you know so i i there's there's no formula for success in the music business i mean you know unless you even if you got big money i mean there's bands going to Nashville right now spending two hundred fifty thousand dollars putting together an album to get a record company to listen to them wow. and uh not getting any traction because uh, when I my songwriting class, I always talk about the music business, the things that the internet doesn't tell you about, the people that promote, you know, that ones that put the money behind you, how they promote you, you know, the people like BMI, you know, the mm-hmm. publisher, they don't talk enough about that. You know, all these kids, they think, oh, okay, if I get my music on Spotify, I'm going to be a big hit. Well, no, it doesn't quite work like that, you know. Tell, tell that story we talked about uh, 
before the interview began about BMI and Spotify with your song, the one song of yours. <laughs> I, think it's I was I was saying that I have this song called Oh Video, and, and it wasn't it wasn't a big hit or like that. I mean, I, mean, I think it got in the top one million or something like that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a song about Pac Man. That's what it was written about, and um, and uh, I I get more money from that you know, each month just from them playing on Muzak probably somewhere, who knows where, um, than I do from this, my plays on Spotify. I mean, I got one cent a play, you know, it's like, I got like all kinds of plays on Spotify, but <laughs> you don't make any money. <laughs> I said on Facebook, you sell one CD, that's much more than a thousand plays on Spotify. Somebody I interviewed told me he got a check from Spotify for like six cents or something like that. So it, yep. it had to have cost him 10 times as much to make the check for six cents. He goes, so just to be obstinate, I'm holding on to it just to throw their books off. I mean, you know, cause you got to courses, you know, like, uh, I put my music on, on through CD baby, they monitor it and stuff like that, you know, and then, uh, you got Spotify, you can monitor your plays on that and you can, and then you got BMI, which actually monitors everything that you, that you do. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I made some money on some things, but not much, you know? It's just it's just a crapshoot, you know. It's just somebody gets lucky, and you somebody hits, hears you, and they like it, and then success, you know. But there is no there is no formula for success. Would Would you say getting into the union really helped elevate? Like you're at this level, and all of a sudden it jumped you up to here, or did you, or was it more hard work that got you to where you are now? I think hard work, but the union was good in, in Los Angeles in the seventies. I mean, you could go down there and they had telephone booths, they had walls, so you could you could, you could stay working. I stayed working most of the seventies. And when I left Los Angeles, the union was was useless, you know. So that's why I quit. Uh-huh. I could still, you know, get a get a retirement from the, for all the, the dues that I paid back in the seventies and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> so oh, that's well, that's not bad then. You know, yeah. you still get something. That's good. I just I just never been well, in the union. I would, a bass player of mine is an actor, so he's in the actors uh, uh, SAG Screen Actors Guild. Yeah, because that's but, where, that's where my credit union is. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, this is credit union, but I guess they, the SAG after took it over. Yeah, and of course, medical insurance. Because I was getting medical insurance to these the musicians' unions like that. Like I said, it, at one time it was really good, and then uh, it just it, now it isn't. And it's uh, it's musicians that ruined it because you got these people who play for nothing. Right. You know, and uh, and that's what you know. They they'll they'll undercut you by playing for free. And I remember when I joined the union, they made you play to prove that you could play because they didn't want any wise guys in the union, right? Uh huh. Guy said he says oh, now that you're in your union, you're not going to give away your talent. And he said that there's people in this room that could be CEOs of companies for all the time they put in on their, you know, on them on their instruments like that. You know, probably classical players or jazz players like that. You know, so. He, your talent that's a lot of time for no money you know you got to get paid for all those years of rehearsing and it's like that not that that really stuck with me you know years ago when uh my daughter was in i think in eighth grade at uh one of the local catholic schools i took my guitar and amp in there because their music teacher wanted me to maybe show them how to play guitar a little bit just introduce them to guitar and what it's about and it's so i went through the basics yeah. here's you know what and then answered some questions and then we wrote a blues song and I, I got talking a little bit about the blues and uh, a little bit of the history of the blues because that's kind of my, my, I guess, what I like the best, my forte, whatever. And uh, I said, so we're going to write a blues song. So I said, typically, you, you write something that you're upset about, and then you say it again. <laughs> 
So what are you upset about? They all said, we don't want to do any homework. I said, okay. So somebody got up and wrote it on the chalkboard. I don't want to do any homework. I said, I just don't want to do no more homework. And you tell me how it, how it feels. And somebody said, sucks. <laughs> I said, let's find some other words other than that. So they gave me a, an emotional attachment to, I don't want to do homework. And then now, now I need a resolution. What do you mean? I said, well, you don't want to do your homework. And it makes you feel sad. You'd rather be doing something else. So we can stop there. Or you can say what you're going to resolve that to be. I'm going to do it anyway, or I'm just not going to do it anymore. And then we chose not to do it anymore. So we wrote it right. out, and I just did it. Da, 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 and I had one of the guys get up and sing it. And uh, it was just so cool because it was so spontaneous. and Everybody had so much fun with it. But I, I said, that's the thing. You can write a blues song about just about anything that gets under your skin, you know? And I, I was reminded of that today when I was listening to Renter's Blues, your song, because I've rented yeah. before I've owned homes. And I used to lament that because at the end of the year, all I had was rent receipts, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I learned that lesson a long, long time ago. Uh, a guy I worked with when I was uh, just getting out of radio, I worked at a printing company. A guy said, if you're going to pay rent, why don't you let me just build you a house? You can give that rent to me. Like, wow, no kidding. Because at the end of the year, if you're paying, I don't know what rent is out in, in Mound House, but like in, in around the, I live in Burlington, Vermont. I live outside of St. Louis. We're looking at $1,500 to $2,000 a month of rent. That's $24,000 a year. Yep. You know, that'll buy a Easy. nice house <laughs> 10 yep. years. Yep. Easily. But now the rents are on, uh, mortgages and the rents are on here. Like if you're looking for a, uh, like I say, a studio apartment, you're looking at like fifteen hundred bucks a month. If you're working for a house, anywhere between four hundred and eight hundred thousand dollars, it's it's gone to the roof here. Wow, wow. So I guess the sequel to Renters Blues could be the Homebuyers Blues, right? Yeah. <laughs> All inclusive. I, I actually I wrote the song in, in California when I was living there during the late eighties, early nineties, and and uh, and then uh, when it started going, you know, the rent started going to the roof here. I wrote. I just brought the song back, and I did it as an acoustic song instead of a you know a band song. Uh huh. And so that's what I was talking about. So uh, we're going to give it a listen. The song okay. is called "Renters Blues." Our guest Dale Pone from Mountain okay. House, Nevada, here on the Music of America podcast. <laughs> Rent's too high, I gotta move away The landlords are knocking, don't have enough to pay Gonna head to Salt Lake City to find a new way Cause I can't stand those renters blues Well, California's got pretty girls and sunshine too Got those winning teams, Hollywood, and lots of fast food When you can't pay the rent, you gotta move right along the landlords are knocking, what am I gonna do? Well, I wanna know what kind of job I gotta have. You own a fine car, fancy clothes, and a house on the hill. Do I have to be a lawyer or a jock to live this way? Cause I can't stand those renters' blues.
Now Tennessee's got pretty girls and sunshine too's got those rolling hills, Music City, and lots of barbecue. When you can't pay the rent, you gotta move right along. The landlords are knocking. What am I gonna do? My rent's too hot. I gotta move away. Gonna head to Kansas City to find a new way. Gonna find me a wife to help me pay. Cause I can't stand those renters' blues. Well, I can't stand those renters' blues. Well, I can't stand those renters' blues. That's the Redders Blues with Dale Ponet here on the Music of America podcast. And we're going to talk about uh, another one of his songs that actually was kind of funny to me. And I'll, I'll tell you that story in a moment. You know, when you meet, right? You meet, you fall in love, you commit to each other. That's the easy part. But somehow after two years or so, things begin to be challenging. Emotion and flair have waned. You disagree more. You're feeling disillusioned at times. This period of disappointment can last a long time, even years. That's usually when a couple reaches out and seek a therapist or a professional help of some sort to help learn better communication skills. Two years after forever, a relationship workbook is dedicated to help couples find that effective communication. This guidebook, sort of a how-to book, teaches us some real valuable skills to learn about communication deficiencies that likely exist, but better, it offers exercises to help improve those skills, be better communicators, better partners two years after forever. It's not a self-help book. It's a workbook. You have to do the work. And if you do these exercises together, apply the lessons learned, you will absolutely see a difference in all your relationships, particularly lasting into the future, like forever. Two years after forever. Two years after forever.com available at Amazon today and forever. Dale Ponet is our guest here in the Music of America podcast. This last song makes me chuckle and i'm going to tell the joke all right uh the song is called uh you don't know what you want okay and yeah first time i saw that title and first time i heard that i was thinking of the the comedian i can't think of who it was but he says men want to know what happened women want to know what else <laughs> and, and and basically the story was like uh man tells his wife is the jamie and john got in a car accident she goes oh my gosh what happened he goes i Jamie and John got in a car accident. Well, is anybody hurt? Uh, Jamie and John got in a car accident. And it just kept going on and on. He had the same answer because that's the only information he had. But she wanted to know more and more and more. And I kept thinking, I keep thinking of that joke. Every time I look at that song title, you don't know what you want. Is that the key to, to, to uh, success with women or happiness? That's <laughs> just what? realizing it. they don't know what they want. <laughs> The, actually, the song was written about going out with people that are too young for you. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. You know, somebody that's like probably 20 years younger than you, and it's like that, and you become dad, and it's like that. Of course, I don't say that in the, in the story, but that's what, that's basically what inspired that song. Gotcha. I heard it as sort of an angry song. Yeah, angry at myself, maybe, you know, yeah. for not, okay. not seeing it for what it is, you know. I got to listen to it again now to get that perspective. Because seriously, I, I, you hear things, you look at things, and you see it one way, and you look at it through a different prism, and you can see it or hear it an entirely different way. And that's the you cool listen, thing about art and music, you know. Yeah, the, if you listen to the bridge, it talks about gambling with your life. Might be a rush, 
and every hand you get, it's not a royal flush. Your next card you take might be a bust, but you roll the dice because you know, you don't know what you want. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I love that. What, uh, what brought up the gambling metaphor? I don't know. It just, the, the thing that, that kind of ran home, the idea of, you know, somebody that really didn't get it, you know? Yeah. Freedom like wanna, they get it. Y- you live in Nevada. You're not far yeah. from Reno. So maybe that, you know, it just kind of happens. <laughs> it could be. That's probably what it was. You know? <laughs> it's a good metaphor though. I loved it. It was pretty cool. Well, uh, we're going to play it now. It's a, uh, it's called You Don't Know What You Want, and it's okay. Dale Ponet, our guest here on the Music of America podcast. You say you want a man to love you like a woman. Give you all the things that you'll ever need Got the body of a woman, the mind of a girl And there's no reason to the things you do You don't know what you want, you want everything You don't know what you want, that you can't have You don't know what you want, roll the dice You don't know what you want, just for the thrill Act like you're living in a candy store At home you got a good but you still want more You'd like to take the chance just for the thrill Sooner or later it comes back on you Gambling with your life might be a rush Remember every hand's not a royal flush The next card you take might be a bust you roll the dice cause you know You don't know what you want You want everything You don't know what you want That you can't have You don't know what you want Roll the dice You don't know what you want Just for the thrill You don't know what you want Nevada that's Dale Pone here on the Music of America podcast. That song, you don't know what you want. Boy, who does? You know, anyway. Uh, Dale, this is the segment of the show we call Shameless Self Promotion. So, uh, shows, concerts, new CDs coming out, anything you want to talk about that's happening for you in 2024 from now until the end of the year, whatever. Let's hear about it. 
Well, uh, January 13th, we'll be at the uh, Sugar Creek Casino in Oklahoma City. Uh, playing, We'll be playing with uh, Johnny Lee. I'll be performing with uh, Lacey J. Dalton. And then at the end of the month, we're playing in Santa Cruz. We're uh, going to be playing with a bunch of other groups down there. As a, It's kind of like a fundraiser for a local musician down there. I'll be playing down there with Lacey as well in a band called Edge of the West. And then uh, like in, uh, in February, we're going to be doing some some California gigs. Well, that's so cool. We'll, playing, we'll be doing Lincoln and uh, let's see what else we got here. And uh, Antioch, California. And then... Uh, um, it's in, in the California area. I can't. Yeah. So, what about uh, like CDs? You've got CDs. You've got singles out. I have the, the double D CD. I don't know if I have one handy here that I can show you. That's okay. Uh, it's I, audio. <laughs> so yeah, and it's uh, we're we're on all the formats, and you can buy them at our gig and stuff like that. And uh, it's uh, Doug and I, Doug Sandall, world's tallest harmonica player. You can, and I always tell people you can find them in the thinnest book of records. <laughs> <laughs> Venice Book and he, World Records. Yep. And we've been, you know, we've been doing lately is we've been playing like cover gigs and we're just doing our originals and now nobody's given us any uh, trouble about it, which is really great. They they seem to like the music. So we just play, we play our song, our songs instead of cover songs and, and have how fun. Big, doing how them. big is your catalog, would you say, of, My, of your own music? Yeah. I probably have about 50 songs that are published right wow. now. I'm, I'm working on a few more. Yeah. What's inspiring you these days? Oh gosh, um, just about everything. Like I, that song, I, other song that I sent you was called uh, "Check the Price Tag." Yeah, yeah. That song is about like when, when you go out on a date, don't get too uh, over anxious. You know, like check the price tag because it might be more than you want to pay. And, oh my gosh, that's hilarious! I love it. And hey, so uh, here's a, here's a neat question before we wrap up. Uh, my brother brings this up to me every once in a while, and I throw it in every once in a while because I think it's fun, and I think you would enjoy this. You get a phone call from, say, Warner Brothers or yeah. Columbia Pictures or something. They say, Dale, we want to do a do a story about you. So we've, we've just loved your body of work, and we want to have uh, Blank play you in the movie. Who would you have <laughs> playing Dale Ponet in, uh, in the Dale Ponet story? I don't know. I have I have no idea. I don't really have any favorite actors or like that. I guess Brad Pitt, maybe, you know. <laughs> well, he's, he might be a tad young to be playing. And and Wilford Brimley's gone. He's too old anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> Paul Newman. Well, Paul Newman's gone, too. I was going to Paul Newman. You could fit in a Paul Newman thing, I guess. Yeah. I, I love Wilford Brimley. I get to meet him. Uh, he was living up in uh, in uh, Grable, Wyoming. And we uh -huh. sat down and and everybody wanted to, you know, have a piece of him just like that. But I started talking about old man stuff, like, you know, swollen ankles and stuff like that. And he goes, I want to talk to this guy. I don't want to talk to you people. Yeah. You leave me alone. That's so, so funny. I uh, interviewed the Gatlin brothers once in Kansas City. And everybody was asking the same questions over and over again. And yeah. uh, Larry was, you could tell he was getting irritated. irritated so I just started talking to to uh, to Rudy, you know. Yeah, he's a, he's a hoot, man. We, uh, we played funny. On we, and, and and Larry's like this. He's like, "What's he? What, I, I, I thought y'all wanted to interview me." I said, "Well, yeah, yes, sir, but you're busy, so I'm, I'm talking to uh, Stephen Rudy over here." <laughs> yeah, Rudy, he's a talker. We uh, we played on a, that cruise ship, Country Cruise, and stuff like that. And we played with the Gatlin Butters twice, and Rudy's just a hoot, man. He's so funny, yeah. and and I guess that's what got him going because you know we're sitting there, we're talking, and everything he's saying, I'm laughing at, and and 
And Larry's over here and he's just popping watermelon bites into his mouth and stuff. And the gal from like the Kansas City radio stations asking him all, well, no, did you first? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes like, here, just give me your microphone. I want you want. He goes, as Larry Gatlin from the Gatlin Brothers Band, and we listened to, what's your radio station again? KCMO or whatever it was, you know. He goes, there you go. Thank you now. So he turns over to me and says, uh, what are you guys talking about over here? And we're talking about bunny rabbits or something. It was so silly. But it was it, it engaged him because we weren't doing the regular thing. You know, we weren't doing the, you know, formulatic interview with them. And that, that that's how you get the people, I think, you know. You know, I, it's like I did a, uh, an interview with Bob, Bill Koff um, for a couple of different magazines. I guess he did. And he had, he was like, he came in, he had, had the questions prepared. So I was able just to elaborate on what he was asking me about. Uh -huh. So he did background work on and it's like that. So that was that was nice to interview with a guy like that. Yeah, yeah. And when I did uh, Charlie McLean, and it blew her away because I sat like right across the table in her trailer. And I'm just asking her questions. What I did was I went to her Greatest Hits album. And I wrote down the name of the song, when it came out, and who the writers were. And yeah. so I'd ask questions, and she's like, my gosh, you know every bit of, every, every bit of songs I've ever did. <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> also, when you, when, when you play straight off of Greatest Hits and you get the, you know. <laughs> Dale, it's been a lot of fun, man. I'd love to come hear you play. Sometimes we get out to, I'm headed to Vegas, I think, but that's only like six hours away, right? At it's the, a, it's a five-hour drive from here, yeah, five, six hours. Yeah, we're going to be in Vegas, gonna, I think, at the end of March, so I probably won't make it up there. Well, there's a mountain called Mount Charleston. That's where we're actually going. It's about 30 miles north of Vegas, and there's a ski resort there, and, and we do, we stay at the inn up there because it's real mellow there, you know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, we can travel down into uh, – we're going to go down and see the Sphere and, you know, Fremont Street and those kind of things and stuff, so – I'm looking forward to it. A buddy of mine in uh, in Vermont owns uh, some liquor stores, and so it's a liquor convention, and he wants me to come out and help him. You know, because you need help at those things. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> they got Lee's Lee's uh, discount liquors and Ben's liquor, and I mean Nevada's all about liquor stores. <laughs> yeah, well, this is like I think they come from all over the world. So I'm, I told him I said I'll, I'll help him on the spirits, but I'm not going to touch his wines or beers. I'll let him handle all that. And he said, No, I think it's just spirits. So it'll be fun. I've been to Vegas about 20 years. That'll be fun. Yeah, Dale, thank you so much. Okay, well, thank you, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Yes, sir. Dale Pone, our guest here on the Music of America podcast. Up next, join us when we meet Gary Norman. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America. Music of America.